When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined this afternoon by Matt Kendrick. Matt, you well? Hello. Then <laughs> <laughs> why I just went into game show mode. Um, yeah, I'm fine, Matt. You all right? Yeah, not bad. A bit tired. It's unusual for us to be doing one of these at four o'clock. I feel like it's kind of delirious end of day end of work shift time isn't it to be to be doing one of these yeah why are you so tired Dan did you go out and win two competitions yesterday against your mate <laughs> had a couple of drinks and uh yeah one darts one bowling and a couple of drinks just makes me sleep poorly so I'm I could have finished at three o'clock two o'clock this afternoon to be honest not still doing this at four so we'll see where this goes in the next 15 minutes or so what are you shaking red for just because drinking on a school night, you know, it's just it's oh, not, it's, it's not on, it's is it? rookie error, isn't it? Let's talk about Villa. And this is again one of our like last Monday. I think we did the, the England versus club uh, debate. So today's topic is is transition. I think is probably the the title I've got within the end. Building a team to get out of the championship, building a team to stay in the Premier League, and then building a team to to get into Europe, hopefully. And it feels like we're on that that last part of that that plan now. Um, we're seeing players leaving in Harahan. His contract's up now. Matty Target has obviously gone to Newcastle. Did a post there about Wesley. It's three years to the day that we signed him. The kind of this big spend twenty two million on a player. He's the striker to to build a side around, and he's barely played. You mentioned Matt Target. Um, it wasn't there from the beginning of the journey under Smith, but obviously played a played a part in the consolidation in the Premier League. Then, I mean, Wesley, I forgot Wesley even existed. And we're talking about people like Trezeguet, looks like he's soon to soon to be on his way. I think El Ghazi will be the same. There's even been speculation around Mings and McGinn. It definitely feels like a, a change into the guards moment. Um, but it has to be, doesn't it? You know, if a football club wants to move forward, it, it, it needs to evolve. Um, and I think, I think the good thing about the... <laughs> Good thing about the the players who are leaving, if you like, is they still go with our best wishes. You know, Conor Harahan's been up there. You know, in my lifetime, my Villa supporting lifetime, there's probably been three or four really, really strong goal scoring midfielders, and you'd include David Platt in that. Obviously, you'd include Ian Taylor in it. Include probably James Milner for a, for a short spell of time, um, and after that. Harahan was the one who, who came along, you know, albeit did most of his work at a lower level, um, but but came along and did a did a brilliant job for us. So he goes with with fondness. Uh, likewise, I know there's been a bit of a kind of um, a kind of mock rivalry Villa Newcastle thing about Matt Target, but I think it was a deal that worked out pretty well for for all parties in the end. You know, in we we get rid of a player who we no longer need or want, they get rid of a player who's done a really good job for them and who they think can kick on even further. And the lad himself gets a, a chance to restore his confidence and, and you know, with a with an exciting project up there. So I don't, you know, sometimes revamps and restructures and rebuilds, a bit like 
you know, when we got relegated, it's a long answer to your question, by the way, but like when we got, got relegated, um, you know, you were probably glad to see the back of a, a lot of that squad. This time, I think people are, are going with our best wishes, knowing that they've played a part in, in getting us back on the right track, really. You said about Wesley kind of being the forgotten man and, you know, just because it is the anniversary of his his kind of grand unveiling of, I think he was a record buy, wasn't he, at the time? Or I think Mings broke it or Wesley was first and Mings after or vice versa. But you kind of forget that he played this season as well. Picture of him and Mings that they, they played together and you kind of think, oh, Wesley's not been around since he like, did his knee in against Burnley. When was that? <laughs> it was, I think it was pre-season. I think oh, well, or he maybe played in. He might have played in the first home game of the season potentially. But as far as we mean, this kid, remember he got sent off in that preseason game against Stoke. I think it was. Oh yeah, I, I do remember that vaguely. Now, like, that yeah, was only but... like that was only like a year ago. But I kind of think, oh, we've not seen Wesley since Ben Mee did his knee in, in January 2020. But he has been around, and then he gets loaned out, and like, he was still up until uh, again. Like, I think Mings broke it, but until like Buendia when we break it again, like he's one of our most expensive transfers in in recent history and. For what? <laughs> I'm just checking out Wesley's stats from from um, last season. Well, I say stats. Just so according to this, he played one minute as a substitute for Danny Ings in the final closing stages of the two 0 win over Newcastle. So I don't remember him. <laughs> no, it's mad, isn't it? You just kind of feel like you've, you've forgotten about him. He won't have any future with Villa, and he'll be moved on. I think some I said. I'd put the post like he signed for twenty two million. Somebody replied saying, and we'll be lucky to get twenty two p for him back in return, and it'll be one of them. Like his contract still runs till twenty twenty four, I think it is. I don't know what happens with him, but that kind of shows that we kind of build this side to you know you've got this striker that comes in with decent pedigree from Belgium who doesn't really do anything, starts to have a few flickers of maybe there's something in there, and then gets a, a serious injury and will probably never play for Aston Villa again and. Villa kind of build the next season and build the next season and then here we are again another summer another another transfer window and another kind of generation of players coming through again yeah he's like an expensive Ali Samata isn't he <laughs> yeah well yeah basically um, it's weird isn't it I mean we, we <laughs> it shows how sport we are we are as as football fans really where we we're all saying well you know which 30 million pound striker shall we get rid of this summer shall it be uh will it be Ings or shall it be Watkins and then there's poor old Wesley who has completely dropped out of our consciousness but like I said it's thank goodness that Villa are, are in a place now um where we're competitive enough um with our ambitions we've got the financial wherewithal to, to go and back up back that up to a to a certain degree thank god we're not having to make do with players mm. Who you know, average players. To be fair, I mean, I don't want to bang on, bang, make this the Wesley podcast. The first time I've thought about his name in the in the in the last since the last minute since against Newcastle um, <laughs> start of the season. Think about think about some of, some of the kind of average non goal scoring strikers we've been stuck with in the mm. past. Um, so I'm um, yeah, I'm just glad we're in a place where we we can we can strengthen and evolve. Um, yeah. Yeah, you kind of went through the main three of, of, of the ones I wanted to talk about anyway in Wesley, Harahan and, and um, Target in your kind of mini intro bit. Uh, so we'll move on to Harahan because, again, it's something we've not spoken about since he's officially left. I think it always goes around that he was three million when he came in, but it was more like one and a half million rising to two with promotion bonuses and things like that. And he came in at a time, I think it was 2017, the January, where Villa were kind of no hopers for, for going up that season. Uh, had already done a season in the championship 
kind of a, a mess really in terms of professional professionalism and kind of change that that culture i feel like he was one of the first players that comes in and, and brings that that professionalism and, and sets the tone to an extent i think corner villa hedged the bets a little bit that window because they signed everybody didn't they i think they signed, signed six players was that the hogan Neil Taylor, Johnson, Lansbury, yeah. hogan horahan probably missed out another one james Bree, james Bree potentially as well yeah um but he's it's weird Harahan, because it's like, I think he brings some kind of efficiency in the way that he's so reliable from dead ball situations. Mm. But it's almost like a creative efficiency, which is quite a good, you know, it's quite a good skill yeah, to good have. numbers for us. Really? Yeah, brilliant numbers. And I remember him scoring, a, was it Norwich he scored a hat-trick against? I think um, so. A few years back. Love the park. Yeah, and he's, you know, obviously ping that. I think my probably favourite memory of him, and I'm, not, I'm sure a lot of people will share this, is against um, West Brom. Actually ripped the ripped the roof off off Villa Park, that goal. I think only Hurahan could have scored it, to be honest, because it was so, yeah. you know, it was just crying out to be to be spanked home by him, and he, and he, and he obliged. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He's come up through football the, the hard way, hasn't he? You know, I think he's is that is he the, the one who's done it done through every division? Yeah, um, there was that. There was a tweet, wasn't there? I think when we got promoted that he brought up of somebody saying he'll kind of never be a Premier League player, and he kind of went up through every every division with with Barnsley and, and then us. So yeah, I, I liked him. I think he got a lot of stick unfairly uh, a lot of times in in the probably second season, fourth season with us. Villa kind of outgrew his ability. He was probably never going to be able to cut it in, in the Premier League. Um, obviously, he was there when we started up, wasn't he? In that in that project restart season and, and played his part. But if they want to push beyond that, then yeah, that kind of outgrows kind of Harrahan. I think is is thirty thirty one now. I'm kind of semi interested to see, see where he goes next. I still think he could do a job in the in the upper echelons of the of the championship and maybe get another promotion under his belt. So yeah, fair play to Harrahan and, and like I said, this, this kind of theme of transition um, comes in at a time, transforms Willow you know, into a promotion side and then goes with our best wishes. Yeah, I've just remembered his goal against Blues as well, which is obviously... Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I I, when he said that my favourite memory of him is, 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 I thought you were going to say, is the Blues goal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah the Albion one was special as well. I think it was just the Albion one because the significance, we, we could just feel ourselves getting a little bit closer. Beating Blues is just what we do, isn't it? Um, yeah, standard. He's not been one of these ones who's kicked up a fuss, you know, his mate, you know, when he realised that he wasn't going to get a look in as a, as a first-teamer. You know, I think, as far as I know, he kind of handled it politely and said, mm. I want to go and play football and, and, and went and played football. So, you know, he's the kind of player who, you know, when we look back in 30, 40, 50 years, I won't be around then, but when we look back in, in that amount... You never know. You always see, in that amount of time. When we look back, it probably wouldn't be, you know, in your kind of pantheon of Aston Villa legends, but I think he's in that kind of next tier of real kind mm. of heroes and favourites. I want to move on from him quickly because I know we don't have loads of time this afternoon because I want to log off, basically. <laughs> Matt Target, again, this kind of theme of transition of us kind of outgrowing a player to a certain extent. I mean, some people would still have argued up until certain periods last year that was Dean an upgrade on Target. I kind of firmly believe that Dean is you know, all the way through. And it's one of those weird transfers where there's not really anyone who's this missed out here. Like we kind of made our money back. To a certain extent, like we've lost out to our, our thought. I feel like he's probably worth more, that we should be worth more than when we bought him. 
that he's he's played for in the in the Premier League for for two seasons fully. I think still a decent age. Like for strongly recoup our money is a slight disappointment, but you know, it's better than making. I mean, how many players in the last five ten years have actually made their money back on at least? Because like, a lot of players that will lose loads of money. Um, yeah, I imagine that. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that there's something built into the deal when he went, went out on loan. And I'm not sure, you know, Villa this summer looked to be in a strong bargaining position because he went up there, did a good job, helped, helped them not only escape relegation, but go kind of marching past us. Above us. <laughs> so, you know, Villa probably could have said, I'll oh, held out for a little bit more, but I imagine there's some kind of agreement in yeah, place probably. That, that prevented that. And I presume, again, you know, great journalism here, just making assumptions and presumptions left, right and centre. But I presume there's a decent loan fee as well for last season, mm. which if you factor that, you know, if that's a, a couple of million quid or whatever, you, you you factor that into the transfer fee that we received. I think it's decent business. Yes, I take your point that he's been a Premier League regular, regular for the last couple of seasons that he arrived. What did we sign him for? I think we signed him for fifteen, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk when you when you see transfer figures that they're never actually as high as you think. Player of the year, decent age still, English played two seasons in the Premier League pretty much every week. I think that's twenty million in these day this day and age. So whether yeah. like you say there's a a two million loan fee and a thirteen million kind of obligation or option to buy, you know, at a kind of a fixed price, so to speak. If you've gone up there and been pretty average, you just said, Oh yeah, fifteen million, we've got our money back. He went up there, played played pretty well. They all really liked him. They wanted to sign him. So you kind of feel like we'd, he'd be worth a bit more. But if this kind of a, it was a pre-agreed for, uh, price, yeah, it's one of those ones where no one's really lost out. Newcastle have got their player. They seem to be pretty happy with him. He was happy to go up there. I did think that he probably wouldn't end up there. Or maybe go back to somewhere like Fulham or even Southampton, and they'd be shopping in a, in a window above um, targets kind of level, but. Yeah, everyone wins with the transfer. And again, he goes with our best wishes. I feel like Luca Dean's a better player, so I feel like pretty happy as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that, that most pleased me, because I'm a little bit of a pathetic, petty man, is that Villa announced the, the fee. It really annoys yeah. me when we when you don't see, when you know, don't undisclosed. undisclosed. Yeah. You know, they never they never announce their, the season tickets with undisclosed on there. They normally, <laughs> normally put a value on there. Um, so I like that, and whether that was because there were some rumours before the deal was announced that he'd gone for twelve million, and Villa wanted to say no, actually we have got our money back. Mm. I don't know, but that that's a precedent. Probably me as a nosy journalist more than anything, but that's a precedent that I like when people, you know, just tell us exactly, you know, the the, the terms that, that that people were sold for. So in terms of target versus Dean, yeah, it's 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 really early days, but what I w- will say is. I don't don't wish to be too harsh on Target, but I used to get a feeling of nervousness sometimes mm. with Target, whether it was nervousness because I didn't think... This is probably when he wasn't alongside Grealish because we know that when he got that partnership, that tended to flourish. But when Grealish wasn't there and Target was playing, I got the, the feeling that he kind of got a nosebleed when he went across the halfway line, so a little bit nervous, always playing it a little bit too safe. Um, and equally defensively, we've seen on occasion where he's been he's been ripped apart. You know, Traore is the obvious one against Wolves a couple of times and gone off injured at half time. I'm not saying there's a massive difference between them. I think Dean's better, better, slightly better attack. Well, much better attacking wise, probably slightly better defensively as well. 
Um, but he just commands a little bit more confidence for me um, mm. being the target. But again, maybe maybe it, it was a confidence issue for target. Maybe going going up to a place where it's worked for him straight away and he's feeling the love of a of a big fanatical fan base up there. Maybe that's the thing that that, that kicks him kicks him on really. Yeah, I think if you're a lower, if you're say bottom six, bottom seven side in the Premier League, target is going to be a, a solid, solid left back who, who will defend well and, and be pretty consistent all the way through. If you want to have more of the ball and the onus is on you to go and attack and, and get balls into the box, I'd rather Dean do that. And if Villa are going to be a better side and have more of the ball and have aspirations to be top nine, top eight, top seven, I'd rather Dean whip, whipping balls in rather than target. The target's delivery is pretty good, to be fair. And the target is a decent left back at Premier League level, which I feel like 15 million for that is a pretty good price for him. Yeah, um, I'd say target six out of 10. I'd say Dean seven. Yeah, we're not, seven I'm not nine. saying Dean's this massively well beater, you know, best left back in the league, but he's an upgrade on Dean. And like I said, everyone's happy and you kind of move forward. Um, there was a picture that I saw that kind of sparked this whole kind of podcast idea of the. The pictures from promotion of all the squad kind of lifting the trophy, and it was in black and white, and there was only a couple of players left in colour that are still here. I think it was McGee and Mings, and Kalinic is still technically technically registered <laughs> as a player, but I think so. I'm pretty sure he's still our player. I think Smith signed him, didn't he? He's kind of borderline anyway. He could be like 50% saturation, couldn't he? Rather than fully black and white, he'll soon be gone. I'd have thought. Is there something um, in the kind of transfer window terms and conditions that Villa must sign a goalkeeper every six months? <laughs> Jed Steer and Courtney Hawes are still here, aren't they? But I don't think they were in that picture that I saw. But it's this big squad photo of everyone being in black and white now. Um, that kind of just made me think, yeah, Villa have kind of moved on from that. And you kind of get this rotation of sides, don't you? That you kind of get attached to a player and they have two or three seasons and they're gone. Um, I saw like a goal compilation of like Jonathan Codger. I thought, oh, Jonathan Codger, like, what a throwback that is. And that was only like four or five years ago. Like we've seen to have this massive turnover of players in a few years, but it's because we've built these sides for for trying to get ourselves up into the league. And now you're looking at like Matty Cash is scoring for Poland and Philippe Coutinho is scoring for, for for Brazil as these international players we've got. And you think oh, oh, they've come a long way about, very quickly. Thinking about Kodja, what a mad kind of couple of years that was. Because if you think about it, the strikers that we had in our championship days, we signed who were the best strikers, supposedly the best strikers in the, yeah. in the championship. We signed McCormack. Kodja, Hogan, we've got Graben on loan, we've got Graben, Tammy yeah. Abraham. You we know, spent some big money on players for where we were in terms of the league position. We probably saw all of those because obviously Abraham had a spell actually in, in the championship as well, hadn't he? With Bristol City, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, all I think of those must have been in the top scorers of the championship in preceding seasons. That was our transfer ethos, wasn't it? Just, oh, you've been good before. We assume you'll just come in and do the same with us, and it very clearly didn't work I don't out. What we're doing again? Those. What on the world stage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed it goes better. Uh, but yeah, just kind of spark this. It, it is weird nostalgia, isn't it? I think Jake Bayliss wrote a piece for our newsletter today of like how Villa have uh, got Joe can finally kind of put his stamp on on Villa's new side because there isn't anyone kind of left over from previous successes really anymore bar McGinn and Mings who are still playing first team football but maybe potentially kind of um, slowly replaced over the next 12 to 18 months or, or whatever but yeah you kind of look back through our photo archives and stuff and you see these names like Codger, McCormack, Hogan, Graben even like Graben gets promoted with Forrest like recently and you think yeah he was Villa's hopes for promotion at one stage with Steve Bruce the manager against Fulham and you think oh, what a long long time ago that was and it was like four years 
It's mad, really. It's been crazy. We probably need to dig out the old... Um, we've got it on file somewhere, the old um, Where Are They Now from the first game, Dimitar's mm. first game in yeah. the championship. Some of those names. Um, didn't Gary Gardner play? Yeah, Galini and Gary Gardner. Yeah. And Baker. Alfie could have played and Baker and... Tish Bowler. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Like we've come so, so far in, in such a short space of time and that's what you have to do, really, for to try and yeah. progress and you kind of hope that... We're looking back in two or three years, going, "Oh, Bubakar Kamara coming in and starting for us yeah. now." Like, look where we are now these days. So, it's a bit yeah, like going to think, yeah. It's a bit like kind of now we'll criticize. We'll go to a West End show and we'll criticize the the performance of some some star actor. Then five years ago, some then some Amdram down the town hall. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just after a, the usual thing in it, put, put us, doesn't mean that we can't dream and hope and and, and want to kick on and kick on, but just a little bit of perspective from where we've come mm. from in the last four or five years. It's going to be like another transition show in, in the next four or five years where we say, you know, which of these Europa League winners do we think uh, should be in Villa's <laughs> Champions League squad going forward? Do you know what I mean? So. That would be nice. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for, for today's little mini podcast. We said we'd do 15, 20 minutes and we've done 25. So there's a little bonus uh, bit of time for you. Just wanted to kind of go down memory lane a little bit, a little, little bit of nostalgia that sparked in my mind from from a few social media posts I've seen. So yeah, thanks very much for watching the, the podcast, Matt. Thanks for your time as always this afternoon. No worries. Get some rest. I'll go back to my spreadsheets and we'll do it all again soon. Yes, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Um, keep your eyes on the Clark Blue podcast feeds. We've hopefully got some more stuff coming up later in the week. Um, and yeah, obviously, if Villa sign a player or, or let anyone go, we'll come back and react to that news as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for watching. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.